0: Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. Please take your Bibles and turn to 2 Samuel. We'll start out in chapter 18, and we'll be going on from there. In the entire history of the world, there has never been a perfect dad. I mean, my kids said I came pretty close. (laughs) Adam and Eve had already sinned before their kids were born. So there was never a perfect dad. Now, kids, I want to tell you that God said your dad was good enough to point you in the right direction for him. You are the dad. You have the dad God wanted you to have. You might like to trade him in with some other kid from the neighborhood because he's got a cooler dad. Uh, but you have the dad that God wanted you to have, and God said that you, your dad, would be good enough to guide you in the path that God wanted you to follow. So. All families struggled with sin. Adam did before his sons were born. Abel and Seth and Cain struggled with sin. Cain chose a path of sin. He rejected the path of God, and and think of the heartache that Adam felt, because Adam introduced sin into the human race, and then he saw the devastation of sin in his own kids, and grandkids, and great grandkids. So. Your dad, if you're a dad, you were good enough for your kids. Were you perfect? Not a chance. No man ever has been. No woman ever has been. Jesus Christ is the only one who walked on this earth and was sinlessly perfect. Everybody else, all have sinned and fallen short of the grace of God. So we're going to mess things up. And dads, don't expect perfection. When you try and hold yourself to perfection you're going to be so obsessed with what you did wrong, you're going to miss out on the opportunity to do things right. And hopefully your kids will grow up, as my own adult kids have done. They'll forgive you for the shortcomings you had while they were growing up, and they will choose to love you anyway. So I hope that your kids show as much grace to you as mine have to me and as I did to my own dad. Heavenly Father, as we gather on this day, we're so grateful that we do know of a perfect Father, you, our Heavenly Father. You are the only perfect one. We praise you for your amazing love, for your mercy, for your grace. And on this Father's Day, we're so grateful that we get to call you our Heavenly Father. You're not just God that we know of, you are God that is family to us because you chose to become our father. We thank you. We praise you. We pray that you would help us to uh, listen, to learn, to be encouraged, and to be corrected. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, this morning, I want you to think about an incident with David in David's life. And that this, the concept is, loving your kids is not enough. Loving your kids is not enough. We're going to look at David and we're going to look at Absalom and we're going to see how David had this great love for his son, but David also had some major problems in his parenting. Now, David had multiple wives. That's never encouraged in scripture. When God planned the original creation, he made one woman Eve for one man Adam. That was God's plan at the beginning. So after that, uh, some men took multiple wives, starting with Lamech, and then others did. And David had quite a few wives, and his son Solomon had way more. Uh, And so David once said that his love for Jonathan was better than his love for any woman. And that didn't mean he had alternate lifestyle tendencies or anything like that. David never had a love relationship with one woman. It was fun to see John and Anna up here hugging to celebrate their anniversary and we got it on video. And your dad can watch and he can go, oh, Anna, what were you doing? No, it's exciting. You should be in love. That's, that's great. Thanks for not kissing, though. That was, that would have, it was great. But, but that hugging, that, see, John and Anna have that because Anna knows He's the only man for her. She's the only woman for him. And they understand that and they've made that commitment. David never had that. He married multiple women. So, of course, he would have a closer relationship with his best friend, Jonathan, than he would with any of the women because he wasn't directly committed and attached to them. David missed out. And and it shows up in his fatherhood. He made some really bad choices as a dad that he could have avoided if he'd had a commitment to one woman and one family. He didn't have that. So in 2 Samuel chapter 18, I asked you to turn there. uh, Look with me in verse 31. Uh, Well, before we do this, Absalom created a rebellion against David. He proclaimed himself king. He ran David out of town. He was trying to kill his dad and take over and those of you who are listening to the podcast, you missed out last week. The message didn't record right. We couldn't produce it on the podcast, and so part of it connected with this message. But we, we if you were here last week, then hopefully you got it. We looked at David and Bathsheba, and, and uh, there are illustrations from last week that apply today. So uh, back to Absalom. Absalom despised his dad tried to destroy his dad tried to take the kingdom away from his dad and then Absalom ended up dying it's kind of a a funny story how he got stuck he had long flowing hair apparently every time they cut his hair it would weigh between 3 and 5 pounds most of us have to go on a diet to lose 3 to 5 pounds right Absalom just had to get a haircut And so he's riding along with his flowing, full hair bouncing behind him, and he goes under a tree and he gets stuck in the tree. And the donkey he's riding on just keeps going, and he's just hanging there, hanging from the tree by his hat. And so Joab came along and threw darts or little spears into him and killed Absalom. And now David is finding out that his son is dead. Verse 31. Of Second Samuel 18. Just then the Cushite came. The Cushite said there is good news my lord the king. For the lord has avenged you this day of all those who rose against you. And the king said to the Cushite. Is the young man Absalom safe? He wanted him arrested and, and taken captive. He didn't want him put to death. So the Cushite answered, May the enemies of my lord the king and all who rise against you to do harm be like that young man. Then the king was deeply moved and he went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went, he said thus, "O oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, if only I had died in your place. Oh, Absalom, my son. Oh, the grief that he felt because his son was now dead. That's not at all what he wanted. That's not at all what he had planned, not what he had anticipated. Life sometimes sends you in a direction you didn't want to go. And that's where David was in his life. So how did this start? How did Absalom go from being one of David's sons, maybe the best looking, certainly had the best hair of of David's sons. How did he go from being just one of his sons to being David's enemy? Well, you have to go previous a few chapters to uh, 2 Samuel 13 and you see the beginning of this. So if you'll turn there, 2 Samuel 13, Amnon was one of David's sons by a different wife. So he and Absalom were half-brothers. They had the same dad, different mom. And uh, Amnon really was evil. He made some evil choices. Uh, In uh, 2 Samuel 13, after this, Absalom, the son of David, had a lovely sister whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, loved her. So Amnon felt really attracted to her. Now, what we would call love, because we're Christians, because we have God's word, we understand love is actually desiring to do something that's better for the other person. Love means you're going to sacrifice for the other person. But our world has this concept that love just means you're really attracted to somebody. You're just, you're infatuated with him. So he didn't really have love. We would call it lust. He looked at her and he wanted her. And then Amnon had a best friend who was his cousin, Jonadab. And Jonadab gave Amnon terrible advice. Pretend to be sick, have her come in and feed you, and then just take her. That's that's called the crime of rape. And that's what he advised uh, Amnon to do. And Amnon was not very smart. He thought, oh, that sounds like a good idea. I will get what I want. That is not love. Love is not trying to get what you want. It's trying to do what is a blessing to the other person. So um, Amnon did that. Now, it's interesting that Amnon was sick and David checked on him and, and Amnon said, Uh, You know, I'm really bad, but I would feel better if Tamar came and made food for me. That should have hit something in David's head. Why would her making food for you help you feel better? He never thought it through. So he sent Tamar there. And then afterward, uh, Amnon threw her out of the house. And she went crying away and Absalom caught her and said, Don't make a big fuss about it. Move into my house and I will protect you. In verse 21, But when King David heard of all these things, he was very what? (laughs) Very angry. But he didn't do anything. And Absalom spoke to his brother Amnon, neither good nor bad, for Absalom hated Amnon because he had forced his sister Tamar he hated him because of that and so David took no action at all even though he was very angry so in verse 23 it came to pass after how long two, years. two full years right day after day after day after day week after week month after month 24 months have gone by and David has done nothing. And now Absalom decides he's going to take action and he's going to do something after two full years. And then Absalom has this scheme. He's going to invite people over to his house. So in verse 24, he says that Absalom came to the king and said, Kindly note your servant has sheep shearers Please let the king and his servants go with your servant. But uh, David said, no, uh, we're not going to go. We don't want to be a burden to you. And then Absalom urged him, but he would not go, and he blessed him. And then Absalom said, well, uh, if not, please let my brother Amnon go with us. And the king said, why should he go with you? But Absalom urged him, so he let Amnon and all the king's sons go with him. So Absalom was begging for this, pleading for this, and David kind of pushed Amnon out there and sent his sons over there. Now, at least this time, David asked a question, why? But it never says he got an acceptable answer. It says he gave in because Absalom was pressuring him. Now, let me tell you something, parents. You cannot let your kids dictate your life. I've seen in the grocery store a mom pushing a cart and this kid wanting something. Wanting it, wanting it, begging for it, pleading for it. I want it, I want it. And mom saying, no, no, we're going to get it. And the kid starts throwing a fit. And finally the mom grabbed it and handed it to the kid and said, all right, you can have it. Just be quiet. The kid just dominated the home. That child is now leading the home. I've seen that with parents of teenagers. Have you noticed teenagers can be a little fussy? Of course, not the ones that are here. We're talking about those teenagers out there. They can be a little fussy. They can be a little picky. They can be a little complaining. And sometimes parents give in to the whining. Sometimes adult children give in to the whining of their parents. Don't let somebody else manipulate you. You have to make your own decisions. Now, if you're a kid and you're under the authority of your parents, you're living at home, you're still what we would call a minor, not a legal adult, uh, then you have to follow your parents' leading. Um, They could actually have you arrested if you didn't. Uh, But uh, if you are an adult and you're living at home, home rules, house rules still apply. But when you're on your own, If your uh, parents want you to do something that you don't think is right, then you don't have to follow. So David did not have to give in to Absalom. David was the king. He was the adult dad who was substantially older than Absalom, probably at least 20 years older. And so David did not have to say yes, but he gave in to the persistent begging of Absalom. And then in verse 38, well, Absalom then had Amnon killed. And all the other brothers ran for their lives. And then afterward, verse 37, Absalom fled and went to uh, Talmai, the son of Aminhad, king of Geshur. And David mourned for his son every day. So Absalom fled and went to Geshur and was there three years. So how many years have happened From the incident with Amnon and Tamar till that current moment. It's been two full years. Amnon waited. And now he took action. And now he's been away for three years. Five full years. Now, verse 39. King David longed to go to Absalom. Perhaps Absalom was his favorite son. For he had been comforted concerning Amnon because he was dead. Now, remember we read... (laughs) Uh, In verse 18, he grieved when Absalom died. But now when Amnon's dead, he's comforted. Now, if what Amnon did was enough to disturb David for five years, don't you think David should have done something? He was the king. It was his job. But he didn't. Some years ago, there was a very popular pastor... In a church, it was a fairly large church. He, this pastor had written some books and had a lot of people who enjoyed his read. And his church came and they dismissed the pastor because the pastor's son had an issue in his past of a proclivity toward minor girls, girls who were underage. And he had not actually done anything illegal. Maybe he had, but it hadn't advanced to a serious criminal go to prison charge. But but he had behaved inappropriately and he had a proclivity, a desire, that the pastor dad knew about. And his pastor dad still let him serve in children's ministries in his church that won't happen here but it happened there and so people found out and they dismissed the pastor and there were people who were upset they shouldn't dismiss the pastor over that yes they should his job is to protect the church that's one of the main roles of a pastor and so he should have told the deacons i guarantee you if that happened here i i have had occasion in the past to talk to the deacons about somebody in the church. And I've told them, never let that man alone around any girls in the church. We didn't know for certain the guy was a predator, but, but he gave the vibe. And so everywhere that guy went on this property, there was a deacon who went with him. I said, I don't care if he goes in the bathroom. You go in there to wash your hands or to comb your hair or to look at your pretty face in the mirror. But do not leave that guy alone. In two weeks, that guy was gone. He found another church that didn't do that. And then he got arrested for inappropriate behavior with a minor. See, that David should have protected his community. He should have protected his city. He should have protected the citizens. That was part of his job. And he didn't do it. So now Absalom did something that was totally inappropriate, prohibited by law, and David no longer cared about the law. He just grieved that Absalom wasn't home anymore. This is like the the chief of police working for the mob, which has happened in places in America. That's what David was doing. Now, some more time passed. How much time do you think passed again? A full two years. Look at chapter 14 and verse 28. Uh, Absalom then gets to come back home because Joab interceded and Absalom came home. and, And now Absalom dwelt two full years in Jerusalem but did not see the king's face. Again, two full years. So now it's been seven years since the incident. And he still not had a face-to-face with his dad. I can't comprehend that. My dad and I had a really unhealthy relationship when I was a kid. In part because he was obnoxiously stern and in part because I was obnoxiously sinful. Uh, But we really struggled. Uh, We didn't actually have a relationship, what I would call a relationship, till. Till I was in my 20s and 30s. And then we became friends, and we enjoyed spending time together and hanging out together and doing things together. We went skydiving together. We ate steaks a few times. We ate lots of hamburgers. And he couldn't understand why I love sweet potato fries, and I couldn't understand why he didn't. But, you know, we, we hung out, and we had some good times together. I can't imagine seven years. I will. My dad hasn't been gone seven years, but if the Lord doesn't take us home or take me home between now and then, I will know what it's like to go seven years. It's been way longer than that for my mom. But seven years, and he was right there, and he'd been pining for Absalom for five years. And he still didn't take him back. Well, because Absalom was a murderer, and he was the king, and his job was to enforce the law. Maybe he couldn't figure it out. But you need to figure it out. If it's in your family, you need to figure it out. And then uh, look in chapter 15 and verse 7. And this is uh, probably an error in some of the copies of the text. The original text was inspired. Uh, The copies made, there could have been some errors. In verse 7 it says, Now it came to pass after 40 years... That Absalom said to the king, let me go to Hebron and pay the vow which I made to the Lord. While he was dwelling in Geshur, apparently he said he made a vow to the Lord. And now he's been back two years. He's finally remembered it. And he's going to go pay the vow. That's not what he was doing. But most of the translations say four years. Uh, The Septuagint said four years, not 40 years. Um, um, Matthew Henry said, if you take the 40 years, you're dating it back from David's first anointing by Samuel or else uh, even when Israel was first calling wanting a king uh, from Saul being the king. And that rebellion the people had against God was now carrying forward in that rebellion of Absalom against David. Uh, But on top of murder and insurrection, Absalom now adds the sin of blasphemy. That he says, this is a spiritual pursuit. I'm going on a spiritual pilgrimage. And David sent him with his blessing, not knowing that as soon as Absalom got there, he would proclaim himself king. He had spent years trying to butter people up, trying to encourage people, uh, trying to say, you know, you should follow me. I, I've actually seen that happen in churches where sometimes the assistant pastor or somebody else in the church, they they get have a, 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 a situation with the, the lead pastor or the senior pastor, and they want to separate from them, and they want to, you know, try and get their own following. And I've actually seen a church split Where the certain faction that followed the assistant or the other person, they went and started a new church. And we shouldn't behave that way. Absalom was sinning against God. God said in Proverbs, he hates those who sow discord among brethren. So, your pastor is not perfect. But if somebody comes up to you and starts fussing about me, your response should be, hey, I'm sorry to hear that. Let's go talk to him and we'll get this straightened out. And then you come and talk to me. You know, maybe I did something wrong that I wasn't even aware of. Maybe I'm in the right and that person just trying to stir up trouble. But don't allow somebody to turn your heart against the work of God. That's what Absalom was trying to do here. Now, I want to give you some ideas to things to carry home. Because we've thought about David, we've looked at some of the verses here, we wouldn't have even had time to read all of the chapters. But number one, when you fail to set a good example, you are setting a bad example. David put Bathsheba in a seriously bad place and he slept with her. And that's exactly what Amnon did to Taylor. David then, to cover up his first sin, had Uriah put to death, Bathsheba's husband Uriah. That's exactly what Absalom did to Amnon. David had set a pattern in his own family without realizing it. When you fail to set a good example, you are setting a bad example. Secondly, don't just decide things think don't just decide things think there's no record in the scripture of David asking Amnon why it would be beneficial to have Tamar there there's no reference in scripture there's no way that David didn't send somebody else with Tamar to provide protection for her he just gave in like what possible kind of sickness would it help to have that half-sister there for you? They, he didn't ask, and he allowed Tamar to be in a bad situation. A man with the wisdom of David in the Psalms should have been able to think that one through. The guy who could write those Psalms had some serious mental capacity. He was sharp. He was smart. But he didn't apply it that day. And then with Absalom, he asked why Amnon should go. But he never said, wait a minute, don't you still hate Amnon for what he did? He never pursued it. He just sent Absalom. So by David's own action, he sent Tamar in to be abused and assaulted. And he sent Amnon in to be killed. Because he didn't think. You know, you kids may have friends that say, oh, let's do this. You may even have an idea pop in your head. Could have been your own idea. Could have been Satan, a demon whispering into your ear. Uh, And you think, oh, let's do that. Think it through. Don't just do things. Think. Don't just make decisions. Think it through. Thirdly, being upset is not good enough. You must do something. After thinking, you must do something. Now, I'm sure David felt his own hypocrisy. How can I uh, charge Amnon when he did what I did? How can I charge Absalom when he did what I did? Uh, But when you're in a position of authority, sometimes you must be authoritative. You must be. God has put you in that place. Now, how many of you parents think it's really cool, fun, enjoyable experience to have to discipline your kids? How many of you kids think it's a joy of your life when your parents discipline you? See, we don't. Yet the Bible says both are necessary. The kids need it, and the parents need to do it. Now, there's ways to do it. My dad was way too harsh in his discipline. Uh, today's standard he would be called abusive but living on military base back then he was called a tough disciplinarian you know Uh, I'm glad cultures change by the way I am very much against child abuse but parents you need to come up with ideas and constructs and consequences that fit the circumstances and this works even if you have teenage kids Even if you have an adult kid living in your house, if they don't want to follow your rules, you say, thanks for being here. We'll miss you. Bye. Because you have house rules. And so people in positions of authority must lead. That's true in business. That's true in schools. That's true in the home. That's true even in the church. Now first you must set a good example for them, but you must also take the responsibility. When you're in a position of authority, be the one who steps up. And When you fail to hold the people under your authority accountable, others will lose respect. If you fail to hold them accountable, others will lose respect. I saw this with business leaders. Uh, we had one a guy, he was the president of the company and there was one manager that he let get away with terrible things. The guy was, he abused company policies, he abused company money, and the president let him get away with it. I don't know why, but this I do know, uh, that other people then stopped following the president, stopped paying attention to him, stopped working with him. And he fussed at me once. He said, I don't understand what has happened here. And I said, I do. The way you treat him has impacted everybody. Because you're not following your own rules in interacting with him. And he just turned around and walked away. Didn't say another word about it, but that's what happened. I've seen this with church staff. I've seen this with parents and kids. In fact... um, as a parent, you shouldn't have favorite kids. You, your kids are all different. I mean, it must be really, really hard with Clorinda because she has so many wonderful kids, right? Uh, but you can't have favorite kids. We read about it in the scripture. Joseph's dad had a favorite. All the other brothers hated Joseph. We see that over and over in life. And you, you have to hold people accountable. There are consequences for choices and actions, and we must not ignore those consequences. Now, admittedly, some people are too harsh. My dad was for most of my childhood and teenage years, or for all of them, actually. I was when my kids, my first kids were were really young. I was way too harsh to eat. I disciplined more harshly than I should have. I didn't physically abuse them like my dad did, but, but I, was, I was not sensitive. I didn't always take the time to listen. I learned, I changed, I grew. Some people are all about their authority and they seek to force people into submission. That's wrong. But so is passivity. Just sitting back and letting them do whatever because that's easier. It's so much less stressful if I just give my toddler that thing they're begging for. and Then this fit stops. Except now that fit's going to be a pattern of life because the kids knows it works. I get obnoxious enough and my parents give in. So never let your kids get away with yelling at you or telling you no. I didn't ask your permission, Megan, but I'm going to tell a story about you. When when Megan was really little, um, I don't remember the circumstances, but Nathan was a year and a half older than Megan, and Megan was just very little, but but she was old enough to be able to talk and communicate, and and Kathy told Megan something, and Megan said no. And Nathan walked up, and he put both of his hands on Megan's cheeks, and he got right in her face, and he said, Mama's kids, don't tell her no. (laughs) And Kathy's like, yeah. (laughs) Got it down with at least one of them, you know. And so don't let your kids do that. Don't let them tell you no. If it's bedtime, put them in bed. If they throw a fit, give them a consequence. I don't think you have to spank kids unless what they did was dangerous. But you need to have consequences that they have to realize this isn't worth it. God put parents in charge in the home. You need to love and care and nurture and you need to lead. God put you in charge, so step up and do it. Proverbs 13, 21. He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. So if you love your kids, you're going to get involved. You're going to correct behavior. (laughs) Hebrews 12, 7. If you endure chastening or discipline, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? God said it's the natural thing when a parent shows accountability to their kids and gives them consequences for their actions. That's normal. So if you kids have parents who make you obey and give you consequences, uh, the Bible says you will be grateful someday, even if you're not now. You will be, because that's the right way to parent, and that's the right way for kids to be raised. So in order to obey God, uh, parents who show true love to their kids need to also hold those kids accountable. They need to give them consequences which motivate them to learn to obey quickly without complaining. In the short run, it's always easier to be passive. It's always easier to give in. Just give in. You know, that's what happened in Europe when, when Adolf Hitler started, first came to power. So many countries and so many leaders were saying, oh, we'll just give in to make things easier. And he nearly destroyed all of Europe because people kept giving in. And you cannot give in to terrorists, even if they're your own kids. You have to draw the line. God put you in a position of authority. Now, when you fail to take appropriate action somebody else will likely take inappropriate action. That's what we see here. David did not take appropriate action and Absalom then took inappropriate action. He was patient, sort of. He waited for two full years. He waited for a long time. More than 750 days. He waited a long time and then he finally took action. But David acted inappropriately by not doing something. What Absalom did was wrong. His choices were sinful. But if David had done what was right, Absalom would have not been in a position to do what was wrong. It wouldn't have happened. David was the king. He had the authority to... to, uh, administer the law, to enforce the law, but he chose to just feel bad and do nothing. It's never good when you shirk your responsibilities. It never helps. Now, sadly, take your Bibles and turn to Second Samuel 12. Um, you will have consequences in your life on earth Even for the sins that have already been forgiven, you will. You say, wait a minute, wait a minute. A couple of weeks ago, you told us God takes and wipes the slate clean. Yes, he does. But it doesn't take away all the consequences on earth. Like um, if you get arrested for grand theft, Uh, and you genuinely by faith ask God to forgive you he will you may still end up in prison if you get sexually involved before marriage God will forgive you but you still have difficulties that you could have avoided if you hadn't done that if you hurt somebody and then you seek God's forgiveness um, God will forgive you but that person is still hurt physically or emotionally or both And you're going to have to live with that for the rest of your life on earth. I I have this weird, well, I guess everybody has weird brains, right? Uh, But I can vividly remember situations from 55, 56 years ago. And I can't remember what my wife and I talked about 10 minutes ago. Um, But uh, I have a vivid memory of hurting one of my good friends when I was six years old. And that was the end of our friendship. I just went a little crazy and I hurt him badly and his parents would never let him near me again. And I didn't have many friends growing up and that one, I blew it. It was all my fault. And so it was a while before we moved to another town but I was never allowed anywhere near that guy's house. In fact, if I rode my bicycle down the street, they didn't want me slowing down when I went past their house. And one time I did slow down to look and see if my friend was there and his older sister came running out and throwing rocks at me. Um, You're still going to have consequences in your life on earth. Now, when Nathan the prophet went to David... And told him God was going to forgive that sin and not require David being put to death. Nathan said, You're going to have to live with some consequences on earth. In uh, 2 Samuel chapter 12, look in verse 9. 2 Samuel 12:9. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house, and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them for your neighbors, and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of the sun, for you did this secretly but I will do this thing before all Israel, before the sun. And David said, I have sinned against the Lord. See, David had many opportunities to regret his sin. He knew he did wrong, and he had to live with the consequences, and so did his family, and so did the nation. But loving your kids is not enough. I'm glad David felt grief when Absalom died. I feel a little odd with the fact that he was comforted when Amnon was murdered. But but I'm glad that he felt grief over the loss of Absalom. But he should have felt more than that. He should have felt a need to take action to do something. Now, some of you have adult kids. And your adult kids, you don't have any responsibility for them at all. They answer directly to God on their own, but if they're not following the Lord, it's still a grief in your heart. You can't now go to them and tell them, you need to do this. You, if you do that, you're just going to push them away. You can pray for them, you can grieve for them for the choices they're making. And you can occasionally bring up spiritual things. I was reading something in my Bible the other day and it reminded me, you know, you can say, ah, at church we had this message and, and, and this really spoke to me. But you can't dictate to your adult children. So spend a lot of time in prayer and then do everything you can to model what the Bible teaches, to live it out, So that if they ever show an interest, they'll at least know where they can go to find the truth. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the fact that you show us the positive side of David, taking down Goliath, standing firm against enemies. You also show us the negative side. He really made some bad choices. But we're thankful because it shows us you are a god of mercy and grace you will forgive our sins you will save us you will bless us we can follow you we can serve you even if we've really made some bad choices you're willing to forgive and heal make us whole and help us to follow you so we thank you for your love and grace in jesus name amen if you're here this morning and you've never trusted jesus christ as your savior you should do that today. Today could be your spiritual birthday. You trust him as your savior. My spiritual birthday's coming up in August when I trusted Christ as my savior. So you need to do what you can in the areas where God has given you authority and you may live alone and the only authority you have over your is over your cat. Well, good luck with that one. <laughs> But if you have authority, live up to it. Step it up. Follow God. Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at VictoryArizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page or by emailing Victory at VictoryArizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.